And we're back. Our, uh, shit crashed. Yeah, <laughs> because Sam was starting to talk about some dangerous theories. And the government overheard him. Uh, so where were we? Something about uh, consciousness, thick and thin. Uh, George Berkeley, did we? Did that get through? I didn't hear anything about George Berkeley. Damn. Okay. Um, so we were talking about the consciousness transmission, mm-hmm. right? That whole idea that our brain is a like a satellite dish. Right. Right. Consciousness right, right. awareness is like given to it by an external source. Okay. And, but there's also a real external world that impacts us. And that is interest. That's like an interesting idea because it's sort of like that thing. I was sort of like this philosopher, George Berkeley, who argued that we are, there is no external world. All of the sense data that we get is being fed to us by God. That was his theory. Right, God, right, 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 right. Yes. I remember that now. Yeah. But his theory was that you, God gives you everything, the consciousness and the sense data about the external world. There is no real external world. You just get fed data from God. Why would why would he do this? <laughs> well, to have, have, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's like, because I'm, he does not want to accept that uh, God would allow us to be deceived by our senses. Right. Um. But he's wrong about that, right? Tell me he's wrong. Well, it's not so much that like they're wrong as in it's just, uh, it's again, it's like you can't, it can't be verified. And it also has problems with solipsism. Because how do you know, (laughs) again, you're just getting fed. How do you know everyone else is getting the same feed as you? You have to take it on faith. Yeah. That God wouldn't do that. That's part of the theory. Um, All these brain in a box scenarios are just like, at the end of the day, so what? You know what I mean? What implications would it truly have if we figured out this was the case? Well, then you're alone in the universe. But would that change how you... Hang on one second. One second. All right, Jordan's hanging on for one second. I can okay. continue to. Oh, he's back. He's back. I'm back. Sorry, my life is dictated by freaking little creatures with four paws and a tail. Aliens? Yes, basically. <laughs> Man. Okay, well, now's a good time to move on to the last way you can argue that other people have minds. Okay. And this is called the argument to best explanation. Or, as it is also called, abduction. Not to be confused with kidnapping. Abduction. Yeah. That's what this is called, abduction. Right? There's deduction, induction, and then this is abduction. Okay. Abduction is very simple. Basically, you should accept whatever hypothesis has the greatest explanatory power at the time. So in this case the explanatory power of the hypothesis, other people have minds, is so successful at explaining all of our observations that we should favor it over any other explanation for 
people's behavior and, and speaking and stuff like that. Okay. So does that make sense? Like, cause we've been talking a lot about other ways that you could explain the behavior of other people without them having minds, right? They're zombies. Um, we're getting fed uh, a stream of data that makes it look like they have minds, but really they're just NPCs. Um, they're puppets controlled by God, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those hypotheses don't seem, don't have the same explanatory power as just saying like, look, other people have minds that explains their behavior. Yeah. It's like, that reminds me so much of flat earthers. I've been obsessed. I have like my TikTok algorithm is like essentially all flat earthers and people refuting flat earthers. It's a huge war going on. And Oh, really? It's the same thing. It's like a globe model is the most explanatory theory, even though it's not a theory, it's a fact. It's the most explanatory system to every all the phenomena we can see. And that's not good enough. <laughs> but how, how does the globe theory explain the alleged existence of a uh, British expedition into the hollow earth through Antarctica where they found uh, allegedly Nazi uh, technology and uh, another race of beings? How do you explain Wait, that with your globe? How, how does a globe <laughs> earth negate any hollow earth? When do you need the globe to have hollow earth? We're on the same side here, kind of. <laughs> It's a more of a more of a thick plank. Oh, a thick plank. It's and then you thick. got the people that it's, it's not a globe. But it's not a globe. It's a half dome. It's like all right, you're halfway there. You're already it's halfway right. there. <laughs> it is. It is bowl shaped with Antarctica <laughs> as the edge. Yes, that is true. It's a half dome. Well, why don't you just make it a full? You know, you know, both sides are a dome. Now you got a globe. Now we're all on the same page. Not really, though, because they just think it's a, it's a slice of disc in there. But anyways, it's a, the, the, yeah, it's a disc that's rising at nine point eight meters per second squared. The point being <laughs> is that they will never that I've seen so many of these debates on TikTok now. And it's like you give them all of these facts that basically prove a globe, very simple stuff such as sunsets, you know, where is it going? Is it mm -hmm. if, where is it sinking behind if there's no mm -hmm. horizon? Yep. How does and, it come around on the other side? Yep. Yeah. They don't answer those questions. They just go to a different thing that they will explain this. They go to explain this. They don't ever react to the other stuff. That the Coriolis effect. How do you explain that without curvature? It's just, it's yeah. a ton. Of, it's just, yeah. So it's like, why, why do you need to have this flat earth theory when the globe theory is perfectly adept at explaining everything we know? It's the best explanation. Yeah. Yes. So that's what it relates to this, what you're talking about now is the, the easiest and most sane explanation is that there are other, that their minds are the same as our mind and that other people do have minds. Yeah, it is the, it is the, uh, the inference. I mean, it is like one of the most powerful ways to do it. Um, philosophers like David Chalmers, you know, we've talked about Chalmers, right? Um, he is the originator of like the zombie argument and stuff like that. And he thinks that this inference to the best explanation is the best will, we will be able to do to solve the problem of other minds. Yeah. It's the most reasonable way to go about life too. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the more science studies the brain and consciousness, the more we will learn about uh, the more we will learn about physical states and how they correspond to mental states. So the more and the more we learn about that, the stronger this uh, hypothesis will be because we'll be able to explain the mental states more and more and more in terms of the physical states. Yeah. And because we, and because we know the, yeah. So, but I mean, you can see how, and the, the philosopher who wrote this, this entry in the Stanford encyclopedia, uh, she mentions that, I think it's a woman. Anita's, <laughs> I think Anita. Yeah. Anyway. Um, not necessarily. Yeah. They, they, they say. <laughs> I was listening um, to a story, a podcast and this guy in the, in the pod, it was a crime, true crime podcast because that's what my wife needs to fall asleep to. Uh, nice. And the guy in it was a, some huge roided up dude and he murdered some people, but his name was Tracy. Hmm. So, Interesting. you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. And probably will. Mm-hmm. eventually <laughs> well i don't think that's true i've heard that before oh like on an infinite time everything will happen everything will happen that can happen that and it's like that i don't think that's true i think that just because something can happen doesn't mean it will happen despite how much time goes by right I mean, we'd have to sit around for a while to find out, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, a long time. But there's always like, well, there's another, there's a, there's a, a universe where you, it's you, but you're Batman. It's like, no. <laughs> I don't yeah, I, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. No, but lots of people think that's true. It's like, the universe is so big that there's the multiverses. And that means that there's a universe there. You're actually a vigilante, but you also have an elephant trunk on your face. It's like, no, that doesn't mean that. It does not mean that at all. Mm-hmm. So you don't like the whole possible worlds? I don't think idea. that just because you can imagine it means that it's happening. Uh huh. Yeah. Even though it's so convenient for doing logic. <laughs> I don't care for logic. <laughs> Modal logic. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I don't know if we can cover that. It's so complex, but it basically it takes your sentences where you say like, "Well." I would have learned that if I had done this. And then it says, well, look, if that's true, then there must be another possible world where you did do that. <laughs> um, that's yeah. how that works. I mean, do you think that there, if there's a bunch of multiverses with a bunch of different versions of us, how much different? Are you talking you about think? like the, the philosophical, philosophical, logical kind or the actual like in physics, the Big Bang spawns innumerable parallel universes uh i guess it's the same thing i guess it's the same thing whatever yeah second one okay my brain is running on fucking fumes right now uh yeah i don't know what my point is just because i don't think that there's like you know the billion monkeys on a typewriter will eventually uh produce the works of shakespeare i don't i don't think that actually is okay right you know a real thing i think just because something is possible doesn't mean it will happen even if you do have infinite amount of time and occurrences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about infinity. (laughs) Infinity is weird. Infinity is weird. All right. What else? How long have we been going on this? I can't tell because we had, uh, we 
ended the when we when we crashed it was at 36 minutes so we got uh we got about 12 more minutes here okay so we got a little bit more time Mm -hmm. um okay the last one we can look at uh our old friend david hume what did he have to say about this He has a different take on it than everybody else. Probably some smug bullshit, some sly, (laughs) silver-tongued angle he's taken that's more designed to get him laid than to actually impact the argument. That's old Hume for you. Hey, you're not not wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where did I find... I found a great one. They're making fun of Hume's political philosophy because it's so... let me find his. He had like one rule for like politics. It's hilarious. Let me find it. One second. Ah, uh, oh, come on! I gotta find this. One second. Sam's looking for a quote. I hope. Oh, oh yeah. Here it is. Uh, Basically, all of his politics was a Tory is better than a Whig and a Scotsman is better than an Englishman. <laughs> what's a what's a Whig? I think it was like their political parties. They had Tories and Whigs. I think Whigs. Tories were more loyal to the crown, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but well, anyway, David Hume. Uh, keep it simple, I guess. Yeah. Here's what he had to say about other minds. Uh, quote. No quality of human nature is more remarkable, both in itself and in its consequences, than that propensity we have to sympathize with others. It is by means of sympathy that we are affected by the passions and mental states of others, which otherwise remain concealed in their minds. Precisely how this remarkable capacity operates is a matter of some debate. So, it's a it's it's interesting question here. What is Hume talking about? Does he mean sympathy is like this intellectual act that we that we do, or is he saying it's like an automatic psychological response? I think sympathy. it's a, I, it's an automatic response, especially when you're talking about something like physical pain. Right? You don't have to logically see someone get hurt and then remind yourself you should be feeling bad about this, unless you're a sociopath. Um, <laughs> You know, empathy and sympathy are natural uh, if you're a healthy person. Um, mm-hmm. They're natural responses to seeing something. It's a reactive thing. Now, it can, more complex situations might take a longer time that you might have to put in some thought before you can gain empathy for someone, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes people act out in uh, abrasive ways and you think, well, that guy's an asshole. But then you find out, you know, they just got divorced or whatever, or they something happened in their life and now they're acting out. And then you can have a little bit more empathy and that's not something that's reactive. That takes some intellectual work, but for the most part, I think most people are wired to feel empathy, even for strangers, right? For people they don't know. They see someone fall down the street uh, and hurt themselves. Like, you know, someone's going to go look at them and be like, are you okay? For the most part. There's always that weird thing with like large groups of people where everybody just wants everyone else to do it. But that doesn't mean you don't feel empathetic towards the person. Mm -hmm. Now, is this, I guess, like 
here we're getting a little bit more, we have to speculate a little bit, but um, does this seem like something that we, like a natural born instinct to have sympathy, or is that something that we learn through socialization? Or maybe a bit uh, of both? I think it's natural born. Natural born killers. I think that I've, you know, I have, we have a couple friends now that have young kids, so you can see them, like, even before they can talk, they display uh, empathy and sympathy. Hmm. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of anything. <laughs> I mean, kids are, like, notorious for being selfish and not knowing how to share and stuff like that. Yes, but they're not usually... They, they don't tend to, like, naturally gravitate to cruelty do they uh kids can be very cruel yeah kids can be cruel yeah and they are cruel yeah i mean people are cruel until they are like fully adults from what i remember <laughs> yeah, I kids can my be worst very self cruel when i was like you know age 13 to 19 was the worst absolute worst version of myself <laughs> yeah i think uh I think the like sympathy for others is something that kids learn over time through socialization. It's not necessarily like an automatic thing. You know what? Maybe it's more like they have to experience that bad thing themselves before they understand why they need to be sympathetic, right? Mm -hmm. Indeed. This is a, but I think once they do experience it, they don't, that, that empathy and sympathy instinct comes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's uh, Adam Smith. He was one of David Hume's friends, actually. Um, very famous economist. And he had a response to David Hume. And he said, David Hume, you're totally wrong. And here's what he had to say. Quote, though our brother is upon the rack, as long as we ourselves are at our ease, our senses will never inform us of what he suffers. They never did and never can carry us beyond our own person. And it is by the imagination only that we can form any conception of what are his sensations. That this is the source of our fellow feeling for the misery of others, that is by changing places in fancy with the sufferer, that we come either to conceive or to be affected by what he feels. They be demonstrated by many obvious observations if it should not be thought self-evident. Basically, uh, walk a mile in my shoes. You got to put yourself in their shoes, right? That's, That's what he's saying. Yeah, and he's saying you you don't do that. Uh, the only way you can try and figure out what someone else is feeling is if you are able to imagine what it's like to be them or yes. try to imagine what it's like to be them. But imagine watching someone, uh, say someone is getting tortured, right? And for some reason, somehow, part of your brain that is that experiences brain has never worked. So you don't know what physical pain feels like. Okay. Could, yeah. Do you still have the capacity to feel empathy for someone that's feeling physical pain if you've never experienced it yourself? Whew. Good question. Good question. Because only only by knowing how bad something probably hurts, you don't have to have experienced that level of pain oh. as long as you've experienced some pain and you know that there's a you know there's a, a, a scale to pain you can then kind of infer that, okay, that must be way past on the scale that I've ever experienced, but I already know how bad it sucks at this level. I can only imagine how much 
it hurts at that level. But if you've never experienced pain at all, I don't know if you really can truly feel the empathy. Yeah. So we, so there's physical pain and then there's suffering in general. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have an awareness of suffering in general, if you've, if you've suffered before, maybe not physical pain, but you may have suffered, um, then I think you would be able to sympathize with someone else that you observed to seem like they were suffering. You would be but more of no concept of suffering. Well then, then you're in a whole other problem. We've actually, the entire episode, we've only been talking about one aspect of this problem, which is the epistemology. Like, how do I know? But there's a whole other aspect, which is how can I conceive of anybody's mind other than my own mind? And it seems like that's where, where this is going. Like, how do I, if I've, ne if, if my mind is such that I've never experienced any suffering, could I even conceive of a mind that suffers? You would have no idea what it what it means to i mean you how would you you have you can't really understand what suffering is if you haven't gone through it yourself yeah yeah so i think uh so if you weren't capable of suffering then you would not be able to understand it in others i think right so basically that's weird you'd be so weird if you couldn't suffer <laughs> no i mean <laughs> So I can't imagine. all these babies, uh, here's going a little off the rails here in the last few <laughs> minutes. Okay. So uh, typically they would say there's no suffering in heaven, right? Right. Most people live a bit of their lives before they die and go to heaven. So they experience suffering. Right. But then you got people that believe that be that babies that die at birth or whatever, they go straight to heaven, but they've right. never experienced suffering. Not that they could remember. Right. Or if they might not have experienced any suffering at all. So then you got all these babies walk around heaven. They don't know what suffering's like. They don't have, they must be, <laughs> you got all these weird babies that grew, I guess they're adults now in heaven. Like do they, get, they fly or do they have to crawl everywhere? <laughs> Assuming they get adult bodies at some point, but they're <laughs> going to be so weird because they're the only ones in heaven that don't know what it's like to suffer. So they're just, they got to be like kind of arrogant, these arrogant babies. <laughs> <laughs> arrogant babies. Uh, the arrogant like babies in heaven. Man, maybe they'd be the ones complaining all the time because yeah, they, they probably don't, they don't do. know. All they've yeah. known was heaven, so yeah. <laughs> they, they have no, uh, they have no contrast to appreciate heaven. Yeah. So all these babies that go straight to heaven can they die in childbirth? To them, they think heaven is just the norm and they want something else. They want another heaven. That's even better for them. <laughs> oh, wow. Babies in heaven. Yes. Heaven is wasted on the babies. <laughs> Spoiled <laughs> babies in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we couldn't. Uh, I didn't want to go into the whole conceptual stuff because it's way more complicated complicated but well wait until i have a full brain before we attempt something like that because i'm running on fumes i'm actually gonna have a nap i think um try and get some recharge in here i gotta go out do some comedy tonight hey if anyone's listening uh i got a comedy album coming out sometime in the next few months it seems like maybe in the next month or so it's called salty and it's gonna be available on <laughs> spotify and there will be nice. a, a special a film they 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 got it nice and fancy filmed. It's going to be on YouTube. Wow. So salty, wow. Jordan salty. Strauss, salty. 
Hell yeah. Keep your eyes open for that. Um, if we have any listeners. <laughs> Great promo. Great marketing. At this point, at this point, this podcast is is a hundred percent for me. Just this material for AI to recreate me in ten years if I die. <laughs> hey, well, then at least, at least, uh, yeah, at least if you die, I won't lose that much. I can still yeah. keep doing the podcast. You can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, and my lovely wife can spend her days listening to us talk. Uh, <laughs> She's never listened to a single episode. So she's got about a hundred episodes of me talking that she's never heard. Oh yeah. This was either our 99th or 100th episode. I'm not sure. Oh, happy birthday, everybody. Okay. That's our episode. Um, see you next week. See ya. And we're back. Our, uh, shit crashed. Yeah, because Sam was starting to talk about some dangerous theories, and the government overheard him. Uh, so where were we? Something about uh, consciousness, thick and thin. Uh, George Berkeley. Did we? Did that get through? I didn't hear anything about George Berkeley. Damn. Okay. Um, so we were talking about the consciousness transmission, mm-hmm. right? That whole idea that our brain is a like a satellite dish. Right, right, consciousness right, right. awareness is like given to it by an external source okay and, but there's also a real external world that impacts us and that is intra that's like an interesting idea because it's sort of like that thing i was sort of like this philosopher george berkeley who argued that we are there is no external world all of the sense data that we get is being fed to us by God. That was his theory. Right, God, right, 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 right. Yes, I remember that now. Yeah. But his theory was that you, God gives you everything, the consciousness and the sense data about the external world. There is no real external world. You just get fed data from God. Why would, why would he do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, two of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, because... I'm, he does not want to accept that uh, God would allow us to be deceived by our senses. Right. Um, but he's wrong about that, right? Tell me he's wrong. Well, it's not so much that like they're wrong as in it's just, uh, it's again, it's like you can't, it can't be verified. And it also has problems with solipsism. Because how do you know? <laughs> Again, you're just getting fed. How do you know everyone else is getting the same feed as you? You have to take it on faith. Yeah. That God wouldn't do that. That's part of the theory. Um, All these brain in a box scenarios are just like, at the end of the day, so what? You know what I mean? What implications would it truly have if we figured out this was the case? Well, then you're alone in the universe. But would that change how you... Hang on one second. One second. All right, Jordan's hanging on for one second. I can continue to... Oh, he's back. He's back. back. Sorry, my life is dictated by frickin'... 
little creatures with four paws and a tail. Aliens? Yes, basically. <laughs> Man. Okay, well, now's a good time to move on to the last way you can argue that other people have minds. Okay. And this is called the argument to best explanation. Or, as it is also called, abduction. Not to be confused with kidnapping. Abduction. Yeah. That's what this is called, abduction. Right? There's deduction, induction, and then this is abduction. Okay. Abduction is very simple. Basically, you should accept whatever hypothesis has the greatest explanatory power at the time. So in this case, the explanatory power of the hypothesis, other people have minds, is so successful at explaining all of our observations that we should favor it over any other explanation for people's behavior and, and speaking and stuff like that. Okay. So does that make sense? Like, Because we've been talking a lot about other ways that you could explain the behavior of other people without them having minds, right? They're zombies. Um, we're getting fed uh, a stream of data that makes it look like they have minds, but really they're just NPCs. Um, they're puppets controlled by God, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those hypotheses don't seem, don't have the same explanatory power as just saying like, look, other people have minds that explains their behavior. Yeah. It's like, that reminds me so much of flat earthers. I've been obsessed. I have like my TikTok algorithm is like essentially all flat earthers and people refuting flat earthers. It's a huge war going on. And Oh, really? It's the same thing. It's like a globe model is the most explanatory theory, even though it's not a theory, it's a fact. It's the most explanatory system to every all the phenomenon we can see. And that's not good enough. <laughs> but how, how does the globe theory explain the alleged existence of a uh, British expedition into the hollow earth through Antarctica where they found uh, allegedly Nazi uh, technology and uh, another race of beings? How do you explain Wait, that with your globe? How, how does a globe <laughs> earth negate any hollow earth? When do you need the globe to have hollow earth? We're on the same side here, kind of. <laughs> It's a more of a more of a thick plank. Oh, a thick plank. It's, and then you got thick. the people that it's, it's not a globe. It's, it's not a globe. It's a half dome. It's like all right, you're halfway there. You're already it's halfway right. there. <laughs> it is. It is bowl shaped with Antarctica <laughs> as the edge. Yes, that is true. It's a half dome. Well, why don't you just make it a full? You know, you know, both sides are a dome. Now you got a globe. Now we're on the same page. Not really, though, because they just think it's a, it's a slice of disc in there. But anyways, it's a, the, the, yeah, it's a disc that's rising at nine point eight meters per second squared. The point being <laughs> is that they will never that I've seen so many of these debates on TikTok now. And it's like you give them all of these facts that basically prove a globe, very simple stuff such as sunsets, you know, where is it going? Is it mm -hmm. if, where is it sinking behind if there's no mm -hmm. horizon? Yep. How does and, it come around on the other side? Yep. Yeah. They don't answer those questions. They just go to a different thing that they will explain this. So they go to explain this. They don't ever react to the other stuff. That the Coriolis effect. How do you explain that without curvature? It's just, it's, yeah. a ton of, it's just, yeah. So it's like, why, why do you need to have 
this flat earth theory when the globe theory is perfectly adept at explaining everything we know. It's the best explanation. Yes. So that's what it relates to this. What you're talking about now is the the easiest and most sane explanation is that there are other, that their minds are the same as our mind and that other people do have minds. Yeah, it is the, it is the, uh, the inference. I mean, it is like one of the most powerful ways to do it. Um, philosophers like David Chalmers, you know, we've talked about Chalmers, right? Um, he is the originator of like the zombie argument and stuff like that. And he thinks that this inference to the best explanation is the best will, we will be able to do to solve the problem of other minds. Yeah. It's the most reasonable way to go about life too. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the more science studies the brain and consciousness, the more we will learn about, uh, the more we will learn about physical states and how they correspond to mental states. So the more, and the more we learn about that, the stronger this uh, hypothesis will be because we'll be able to explain the mental states more and more and more in terms of the physical states. Yeah. And because we, and because we know the, yeah. So, but I mean, you can see how, and the, the philosopher who wrote this, this entry in the Stanford encyclopedia, uh, she mentions that I think it's a woman and he does. <laughs> I think Anita. Yeah. Anyway. Um, not necessarily. Yeah. They, they, they say, <laughs> I was listening um, to a story, a podcast and this guy in the, in the pocket, it was a crime, true crime podcast because that's what my wife needs to fall asleep to. Uh, nice. and the guy in it was a, some huge roided up dude and he murdered some people, but his name was Tracy. Hmm. So, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. And probably will Mm -hmm. eventually. (laughs) Well, I don't think that's true. I've heard that before. Oh, like on an infinite time, everything will happen. Everything will happen. That can happen. And it's like that. I don't think that's true. I think that just because something can happen doesn't mean it will happen. Despite how much time goes by. Right. I mean, we'd have to sit around for a while to find out, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, a long time. But there's always like, well, there's another, there's a, there's a, a universe where you, it's you, but you're Batman. It's like, no. <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. No, but lots of people think that's true. It's like the universe is so big that there's the multiverses. And that means that there's a universe there. You're actually a vigilante, but you also have an elephant trunk on your face. It's like, no, that doesn't mean that. It does not mean that at all. Mm-hmm. So you don't like the whole possible worlds? I don't think idea. that just because you can imagine it means that it's happening. Uh huh. Yeah. Even though it's so convenient for doing logic, <laughs> I don't care for logic. <laughs> Modal logic. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I don't know if we can cover that. It's so complex, but it basically it takes your sentences where you say like, "Well." I would have learned that if I had done this. And then it says, well, look, if that's true, then there must be another possible world where you did do that. <laughs> um, that's yeah. how that works. I mean, do you think that there, if there's a bunch of multiverses with a bunch of different versions of us, 
how much different are you talking about like the the philosophical philosophical logical kind or the actual like in physics the big bang spawns innumerable parallel universes uh i guess it's the same thing i guess it's the same thing whatever yeah second one okay my brain is running on fucking fumes right now uh yeah, I don't know what my point is. Just because I don't think that there's like, you know, the billion monkeys on a typewriter will eventually uh, produce the works of Shakespeare. I don't I don't think that actually is, okay, right. you know, a real thing. I think just because something is possible doesn't mean it will happen, even if you do have infinite amount of time and occurrences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about infinity. <laughs> Infinity is weird. Infinity is weird. All right. What else? How long have we been going on this? I can't tell because we had the... Uh, we ended the... When we when we crashed, it was at 36 minutes. So we got uh, we got about 12 more minutes here. Okay. So we got a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The last one, we can look at uh, our old friend, David Hume. What did he have to say about this? Uh, he's a, he has a different take on it than everybody else. Probably some smug bullshit, some sly, <laughs> silver-tongued angle he's taken that's more designed to get him laid than to actually impact the argument. That's old Hume for you. Hey, you're not uh, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did I find? I found a great one. They're making fun of Hume's political philosophy because it's so. Uh, let me find his. He had like one rule for like politics. It's hilarious. Let me find it. One second. Ah, uh, oh, come on! I gotta find this. One second. Sam's looking for a quote. I hope. Oh, oh yeah. Here it is. Uh, Basically, all of his politics was a Tory is better than a Whig and a Scotsman is better than an Englishman. <laughs> what's a what's a Whig? I think it was like their political parties. They had Tories and Whigs. I think Whigs. Tories were more loyal to the crown, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but well, anyway, David Hume. Uh, keep it simple, I guess. Yeah. Here's what he had to say about other minds. Uh, quote, No quality of human nature is more remarkable, both in itself and in its consequences, than that propensity we have to sympathize with others. It is by means of sympathy that we are affected by the passions and mental states of others, which otherwise remain concealed in their minds. Precisely how this remarkable capacity operates is a matter of some debate. So... It's a it's it's interesting question here. What is Hume talking about? Does he mean sympathy is like this intellectual act that we that we do, or is he saying it's like an automatic psychological response? I think sympathy. it's a, I, it's an automatic response, especially when you're talking about something like physical pain. Right? You don't have to logically see someone get hurt and then remind yourself you should be feeling bad about this, unless you're a sociopath. Um, <laughs> You know, empathy and sympathy are natural uh, if you're a healthy person. Um, mm-hmm. 
their natural response of seeing something. It's a reactive thing. Now it can more complex situations might take a longer time that you might have to put in some thought before you can gain empathy for someone. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes people act out in uh, abrasive ways and you think, well, that guy's an asshole, but then you find out, you know, they just got divorced or whatever, or they, something happened in their life and now they're acting out and then you can have a little bit more empathy and that's not something that's reactive. That takes some intellectual work, but for the most part, I think most people are wired to feel empathy, even for strangers, right? For people they don't know, they see someone fall down the street uh, and hurt themselves. Like, you know, someone's going to go look at them and be like, are you okay? For the most part. There's always that weird thing with like large groups of people where everybody just wants everyone else to do it. But that doesn't mean you don't feel empathetic towards the person. Mm -hmm. Now, is this, I guess, like here we're getting a little bit more, we have to speculate a little bit, but um, does this seem like something that we, like a natural born instinct to have sympathy? Or is that something that we learn through socialization? Or maybe a bit Uh, of both? I think it's natural born. Natural born killers. I think that I've, you know, I have, we have a couple friends now that have young kids. So you can see them like even before they can talk, they display uh, empathy and sympathy. Hmm. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of anything. <laughs> I mean, kids are like notorious for being selfish and not knowing how to share and stuff like that. Yes, but they're not usually... They they don't tend to like naturally gravitate to cruelty, do they? Uh, kids can be very cruel. Yeah, kids can be cruel. Yeah, and they are cruel. Yeah, I mean, people are cruel until they are like fully adults, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, I was kids my can be worst very self cruel when I was like you know age thirteen to nineteen was the worst, absolute worst version of myself. <laughs> yeah, I think uh I think the like sympathy for others is something that kids learn over time through socialization. It's not necessarily like an automatic thing. You know what? Maybe it's more like they have to experience that bad thing themselves before they understand why they Aha. need to be sympathetic, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed. And this is uh But I think once they do experience it, they don't that that empathy and sympathy instinct comes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's uh, Adam Smith. He was one of David Hume's friends, actually. Um, very famous economist. And he had a response to David Hume. And he said, David Hume, you're totally wrong. And here's what he had to say. Quote, though our brother is upon the rack, as long as we ourselves are at our ease, our senses will never inform us of what he suffers. They never did and never can carry us beyond our own person. And it is by the imagination only that we can form any conception of what are his sensations. That this is the source of our fellow feeling for the misery of others, that is by changing places in fancy with the sufferer, that we come either to conceive or to be affected by what he feels. They be demonstrated by many obvious observations if it should not be thought self-evident. Basically, uh, walk a mile in my shoes. You got to put yourself in their shoes, right? That's that's what he's saying. Yeah, he's saying you you don't do that. Uh, the only way you can 
try and figure out what someone else is feeling is if you are able to imagine what it's like to be them or try to imagine what it's like to be them. But imagine watching someone, uh, say someone is getting tortured, right? And for some reason, somehow you part of your brain that is that experiences brain has never worked. So you don't know what physical pain feels like. Okay. Could, yeah. Do you still have the capacity to feel empathy for someone that's feeling physical pain if you've never experienced it yourself? Whew. Good question. Good question. Because only only by knowing how bad something probably hurts. You don't have to have experienced that level of pain as long as you've experienced some pain and you know that there's a, you know, there's a a scale to pain. You can then kind of infer that, okay, that must be way past on the scale that I've ever experienced, but I already know how bad it sucks at this level. I can only imagine how much it hurts at that level. But if you've never experienced pain at all, I don't know if you really can truly feel the empathy. Yeah, so we so there's physical pain and then there's suffering in general. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have an awareness of suffering in general, if you've if you've suffered before, maybe not physical pain, but you may have suffered, um, then I think you would be able to sympathize with someone else that you observed to seem like they were suffering. You would be but more if you had no concept of suffering. Well, then then you're in a whole other problem. We've actually, the entire episode, we've only been talking about one aspect of this problem, which is the epistemology. Like, how do I know? But there's a whole other aspect, which is how can I conceive of anybody's mind other than my own mind? And it seems like that's where where this is going. Like, how do I, if, I've ne- if, if my mind is such that I've never experienced any suffering, could I even conceive of a mind that suffers? You would have no idea what it, what it means to, I mean, you, how would you, you have, you can't really understand what suffering is if you haven't gone through it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, so if you weren't capable of suffering, then you would not be able to understand it in others, I think. Right. So basically, that's weird. You'd be so weird if you couldn't suffer. (laughs) No, I mean, So I can't imagine all these babies. Uh, here's going a little off the rails here in the last few <laughs> minutes. Okay, so uh, typically they would say there's no suffering in heaven, right? Right. Most people live a bit of their lives before they die and go to heaven, so they experience suffering. Right. But then you got people that believe that be- that babies that die at birth or whatever they go straight to heaven, but they've right. never experienced suffering. Not that they could remember. Right. Or if they might not have experienced any suffering at all. So then you got all these babies walk around heaven. They don't know what suffering's like. They don't have, they must be, <laughs> you got all these weird babies that grew, I guess they're adults now in heaven. Like do they, get, they fly or do they have to crawl everywhere? <laughs> Assuming they get adult bodies at some point, but they're <laughs> going to be so weird because they're the only ones in heaven that don't know what it's like to suffer. So they're just, they got to be like kind of arrogant, these arrogant babies. <laughs> <laughs> arrogant babies. Uh, the arrogant like babies of heaven. Man, maybe they'd be the ones complaining all the time because yeah, they, they probably don't, they don't do. know. All they've <laughs> known was heaven, so yeah. <laughs> they, they have no, uh, they have no contrast to appreciate heaven. Yeah. So all these babies that go straight to heaven can they die in childbirth? 
<laughs> to them, they think heaven is just the norm and they want something else. They want another heaven. That's even better for them. <laughs> oh, wow. Babies in heaven. Yes. Heaven is wasted on the babies. <laughs> Spoiled <laughs> babies in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we couldn't. Uh, I didn't want to go into the whole conceptual stuff because it's way more complicated, but well, wait until I have a full brain before we attempt something like that. Cause I'm running on fumes. I'm actually going to have a nap. I think um, try and get some recharge in here. I got to go out, do some comedy tonight. Hey, if anyone's listening, uh, I got a comedy album coming out sometime in the next few months. It seems like maybe in the next month or so it's called salty and it's going to be available on, <laughs> Spotify, and there will be nice. a special, a film. They 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 got it nice and fancy filmed. It's going to be on YouTube. Wow. So salty, wow. Jordan salty. Strauss, salty. Hell yeah! Keep your eyes open for that. Um, if we have any listeners, <laughs> great promo. Great at this point, <laughs> at this point, this podcast is is a hundred percent for me. To, just this material for AI to recreate me in 10 years if I die. <laughs> hey, well, then at least, at least, uh, yeah, at least if you die, I won't lose that much. I can still yeah. keep doing the podcast. With yeah, AI yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. And my lovely wife can spend her days listening to us talk. Uh, <laughs> she's never listened to a single episode. So she's got about a hundred episodes of me talking that she's never heard. Oh, yeah, this was either our 99th or 100th episode. I'm not sure. Oh, happy birthday, everybody. Okay, that's our episode. Um, see you next week. See ya.